You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. Good morning, good morning. Happy uh, Tuesday. Happy, happy Tuesday. Hello. Is that a thing? This morning. Yeah. Say happy Tuesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it so We're coming to you live from... That's an, Do you say live when it's a live recording or when it's actually like you're watching it right now? Um, I don't know. Me neither, obviously. <laughs> anyway. I think you're supposed to be live when it's live, when you can't edit it uh, and all that. But Yeah, so we're coming to you live then from quarantine in Trinidad, Bolivia. From Simon's house, basically. <laughs> uh, how you guys doing? Good. Good. <laughs> Get the, doing better? Yeah, get in there. Get in there. <laughs> Simon's been under the weather for the past couple of days. Does not have coronavirus, but there's all kinds of bugs and stuff that go around and just whatever here. So it's rough and it's harder when there's <laughs> like it's a pandemic, you yeah. know. And so you're like, <laughs> it's not a great time to get <laughs> yeah, ill. <laughs> yeah, you're super like concerned about everything. Like, yeah. Like you finish doing exercising or something, you can't breathe. You're like, my lungs okay? <laughs> you just worked out, of course. Well, you probably first off think that you have, you know, COVID-19, and then you start Googling your symptoms, and then you're afraid you have cancer all of a sudden. So it's like it just gets worse. The yeah. other day, our water tasted really weird. And now I had just read oh, that uh, one of the newer symptoms of uh, the coronavirus is that your taste buds yeah, start I to act that. weird. And I was yeah. like... This water, Jolie, does this taste weird? Yeah, it makes your water taste like dirt. That's, that's exactly what it tastes like. I didn't see that on the list of symptoms. But then you start, like you do, your mind plays games with you and you start like manipulating yeah, the yeah. symptoms. Yeah. Well, they say your taste goes, but maybe my taste is gone because this water tastes like dirt. <laughs> like, you know, like it just, like it's over. And yeah. the words of Jalen, it tastes like mold. I was like, yeah, then, then it's not me. It's everybody. No, it, t- it tasted like. It did. It tastes like dirt. Like, when you fall on the ground, you get dirt in your mouth. Has that ever happened to anybody? <laughs> Never. Okay. Well, you live, you grew up in Philadelphia, so only sidewalks to get, like, you I get, know what sidewalk tastes like. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's worse than dirt. That's, it. okay. So that's enough for today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. <laughs> no, um, I th- things are, uh, <laughs> it's a weird time, you know. It's a very weird time. Um, they're here the cases are going up just re- really recently getting here and cases are going up but um because of economic challenges or whatever they're still talking about um, starting to slowly open things up back in two days so uh, it's just a t- you know there's no right uh, there's wrong decisions definitely but there's kind of no right decision to do because i think the country really just doesn't have any more money. Right. Like they've given everybody a, a somewhat of a stimulus or, you know, pending. We haven't picked ours up yet. And, I, you know, and so, it, you see, they're stuck. Like, so what else are you supposed to do? And, and it's just like, like I said, just now, it's just now really getting hot. It's not even peaked. It's literally just starting as, but because the, the thing is, is the government here responded really well. They responded early. They responded how they should have, and they closed everything down in the beginning. Um, the problem is that people don't listen. That's what the real issue is. And, and people kept, for the first two weeks of quarantine, people were all, you know, all sneaking around, sneak, sneaking around the police and sneaking out and you know, just propagating the thing. 
And so, I mean, we could have been done with three weeks of quarantine had everyone listened, but people didn't listen. And so obviously it slowly became an issue. It did slow it down, but because the most majority of people weren't out, but the ones that were out were the ones that are catching it, obviously. And you can, you know, um, not contaminating, you know what I'm talking about, like spreading it. And um, so, yeah, so you get more people spreading. So now we're, I don't know how many weeks in, four or five weeks in, something like that. Five, which is our fifth week, I think, in quarantine. And it's just not getting started. And it's just not starting to heat up. But it's because people didn't follow the rules, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. So it is what it is, I guess. And you got to play the cards you're dealt, right? So here we are. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we'll be running out to do a bunch of stuff anytime soon, but no. thank God we don't have to because, mm-hmm. you know, some people have to. And so, I don't know. So you can be praying for Bolivia. And, I mean, obviously pray for us, but more than anything, pray for the people that they just don't have choices. They have, you know, people have to eat and have to go out and have been living day by day or whatever for the last 20, 30 years. And so to have to take three or four weeks off is just devastating. And so, you know, they're, they're not chomping at the bit to go out, I don't think, but they have to go out. Some people are chomping at the bit to go out because the enemies become the quarantine and it's not about the virus, it's about quarantine. So they don't care when the virus is over, it's just about when quarantine is over. But those are the people that spread the virus more than anything. So I don't know, it's a mess just like everywhere else in the world. So I don't know. Keep praying for us there. So yeah, that's our weekly coronavirus update. I'm tired of talking about it. So um, so we want to talk about something today. Uh, I'm looking at the list and I forgot which one it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. So (laughs) actually, someone asked this question a long time ago and we never we never did a response. I can't remember who it was, but yeah. So we're getting to it like a year later. Um, What should people know before they go into missions? So what are some things that I mean, I guess it could even be some what do you wish you would have known before you go into missions? Right. Like, I guess it could be translated into that. Um, Anybody? I mean, there's a lot. Um, well, I guess. Let's get started. Well, I just wasn't <laughs> sure if anybody was going to hop in there. Um, I guess one one thing that kind of sticks out to me right away, um, because I had dealt with a little bit of hurt coming from it, was that um, when people don't support you, don't take it personal. Mm. Um, you know, our job is to let people know this is what I'm going to do. This is what um, I'm passionate about. This is where I'm going, and we need senders, people that'll help um, help us be able to support us while we're there so that we can do the work of the Lord there. Um, and, and, then, and then that's it, you know? And then when you get here, you, you, you stay in communication, you let people know what's going on, you continuously let them know what projects you're doing and what, what, how they can help because people genuinely wanna know how they can help. But then there, there are people who genuinely don't care uh, or genuinely can't help and so, you can't, you can't take that personal, you know, it, it hurt me as a new missionary. It's like, man, this person's my cousin or whoever, you know, oh, my, my old pastor, my old youth pastor, whoever, I'm just naming stuff. I'm not saying those people didn't support us, but, <laughs> um, it, it, you tend to take it, uh, you tend to take it personally, you know, and I wish I had learned that from the very beginning that everyone's not going to feel um, led to support your specific project and that just because they're not supporting you doesn't mean they're not supporting someone else, you know, um, because that's our call to, to as a church to support missions. It doesn't mean that everyone needs to support me. So um, that would have saved me a little bit of um, 
internal struggling <laughs> when I look at that person and my family's like, how are you, how are you going to call my, call yourself my grandma and you don't even, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think just realizing that people are called to support missions, but they're not called to support you, right. you know, mm-hmm. and, and. Cause you do. I mean, you're, uh, the 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 reality is you're terrified when you're raising money, right? Mm-hmm. And so every no that you get is just devastating. Every no that you feel like someone who knows you well and knows why you're going, mm-hmm. if they give you a no, it's just devastating, and it creates yeah. more and more fear. And it's not their fault; it's your fault, you know. Yeah. Well, no, okay. no. No. I was gonna say like, well, the first thing you even think to do is how do I get started on fundraising? Let me make a list of people that I know. You yeah. start with people in your family, and then you start with people at your in your church. Then maybe branch out to your work. Uh, barbershop, you know, just neighbors, whoever. And then when you see yourself finishing that list and then you realize I don't have enough to support even myself on a monthly basis for food or or rent, yet alone any extra projects that I want to do, it starts to get discouraging. It's like, well, where are all these people going to come from? And I think ultimately it just comes from a lack of trusting that, you know, God is going to provide for you. But, you know, we do what we do. We do what we can do. And when we see our our ideas running out, it gets a little bit scary. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, and like you said, it's not personal. I mean, you know, maybe it is for some people, maybe some people don't believe in you, but it's still not your job. You don't have to take that personal, even though it's deeply personal, like that's directly personal, but who cares? Let that be on them. Don't let it be on you. You know, and that's Mm -hmm. a very hard thing to do is to be the, you know, bigger person in that. And to not, cause I mean, you, you know, we all say depend on Jesus. And that's what even people that aren't on a mission field tells you, well, God is your provider. And like, but they work a good job and whatever. And so yeah. if they lost their job, they would be panicked just like you are. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's very easy to say like, to say that stuff from that side of it. But, you know, I, it, it, it's a tough thing. But yeah, you're right. It's just like, if people would understand, yeah, it's a gnat or mosquito or something. If, um, if, you know, I think if going in, you could just understand. And I think every. I just think it's something you have to learn from experience because I think everybody knows that God is your provider. At least we mm-hmm. say that so much that it becomes, yeah, yeah, yeah. God is my provider. Yeah, yeah. God is my provider, you know, but we don't really believe that, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and which that should not start with before. Yeah, it, that's not a missions thing. That should be a life thing because mm-hmm. there's people that work a great job and God is my provider. God is my provider. But again, like if they lose their job, then they're in the exact same position that we are when we're looking for support. And so just as offensive as it will feel to them to say, oh, God is your provider, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, well, you don't understand. I, ha-, You know, we do understand. But I think that's something that's just, that's a believer standpoint, and it should flow into missions if you decide to go into missions. I don't think that that's something that mission, and we do, we make it like that. Missionaries should depend on God, and God is your provider, and not us, and all this other stuff that we've heard. Um but that's not just for missionaries. That's for everybody. God is your provider, you know. And mm-hmm. I, we see that now with the virus and stuff going on is a lot of people have lost their jobs. And you see people talking about it on social media. And there's nothing wrong with talking about it. But you see some of the same people that maybe have told you that God is your provider and don't worry. And, you know, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Faith and fear don't mix. Yeah. And now you see them. They lost their job. And here we are in worry and, you know, whatever. So... I, I think it starts there. It's just with the believer. Like it, if I work on that side of it, and I don't even know that in 10 years I'm going to be in missions. Mm-hmm. I still need to know that God is my provider Absolutely. and trust in him, you know? Yeah. And so sure. I think that's something that, w- that just needs to be, ta- I don't know, taught more or practiced more in Christian homes. I was going to say taught more in churches, but I guess it starts in Christian homes as well. Mm-hmm. It's just really to depend on and rely on God, which is a scary thing. Cause you put all your eggs in that basket 
of something you, that you're not sure about. You're putting all your eggs in the basket of admitting that I don't know anything and he knows everything. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's great. He knows everything, but he ain't telling me nothing. Like, that's, sometimes that's the reality of it. And it's a very scary thing. I mean, I can speak as a, as a husband and a father. It's very scary, you know, because you want to be a provider. But you can only really provide anyway if God is providing for you. You know what I mean? And so you're just yeah. the, you're just the, um, the mangueta is what I was going to say. The, the funnel? The, 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 not the uh, source. Yeah, what he uses. The, yeah, the funnel, the tool, whatever. So, yeah. I think sometimes it's just um, like because we know the exact moment when we feel like that rug is going to p- be pulled out from under us that that w- that you can say specifically for missions. Um, uh, you got to provide. I mean, you have to to trust in the Lord for your provision because um, I don't know. Like um, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, I mean. I- I just think, hey, going back to what you know, what I said is that we as Christians, and this reveals a, a bigger problem that yeah should be addressed before missions, but even before that, is that we live very secular lifestyles in in terms of who who we depend on mm-hmm. and what our faith is in. Our faith is in God, but that's only when we need something that we can't do, mm-hmm. and that's what well, you know. We say that oh, I believe in God, but it's only when someone has cancer or AIDS or is in prison or mm-hmm. you know whatever. But when it comes to eating a hot dog or ham, I don't know why I said hot dog. <laughs> of all the foods to say, right? Like, <laughs> so when do we eat them? Yeah, yeah not here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, you know, when it comes time to sit down and eat, like, yeah, we say grace or whatever that means, but like, we're not really like necessarily believing in God for that. The only people that are are people that are struggling financially, which honestly, they're in a better place with their faith than mm-hmm. wealthy people are, you know, in that sense, or well-off people are. Because so we're not really walking in faith. We're not really believing that God is our provider. We're just believing that God is our emergency plan. Mm. We're breaking the glass when you know when there's a fire. Other than that, we're just going around. But I think if we start there, I know that if we start there, then what's the difference? If I've been counting on God my whole life, then why is it scary to go into missions and raise money? Yeah, there's nothing scary about to do the same thing that I've always been doing. Mm-hmm. Is relying on God, and if I can look in my past and say that God has provided me up until now, even if I worked at a Fortune 500 company getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, if I fully recognize that God is my provider and this is just a chance or a, a, a way for me to, to um, basically work for his glory, regardless how, if I, how much I do or don't get paid. I mean, we got to live, right? But my point is it's not based on, oh, I have enough. I'm, you start to think you're your own provider, you know? Yeah. But if you have that mentality throughout, then what's the difference? You know, what's the difference if you go on a mission that you still got to believe in God for? The same thing that you should be doing now, you know? And so, I don't know. Just my bit on that. No, for sure. Something else? or um, I think I've, I learned from experience that what you think you're going to be doing when you get out there <laughs> might not match up with mm. what you actually do when you get there. I think that's a really important thing to yeah. be aware of before going in. Uh, I don't think I've ever been on a trip, whether short term or mm-hmm. longer term, like now, mm-hmm. where I've ended up doing exactly what I thought I was going to be doing when I left the UK. Yeah. Um, and so just being open-minded to that, being aware that, okay, when you get on ground, situations might be different. Um, the email you get explaining the church might be completely different to what the actual church is like. Um, visions, mentality, projects might be completely different when you actually get there or um i had one kid we did like a short-term mission when i was like 15 um in eastern europe 
and we're told oh yeah we're gonna you're gonna be fixing up this and doing all that and we're like oh that's great so we raised money for that and we got there and they were like oh yeah no we haven't brought any of those materials so you need to do this instead <laughs> um, you know that was a common thing in short-term yeah. mission and like um but i mean even like coming here i didn't expect that i'd be children's pastor like if i would that wasn't in the, that wasn't <laughs> in the job description when i when i came when i left the uk to come here that wasn't part of the part of the thinking mm-hmm. um but just being open to those those changes and and yeah using your skill sets and whatnot sorry i was drinking water i thought you were gonna talk more um yeah I, that's a big deal you know because and you, you can definitely have your plan in your mindset on some i mean to a certain extent but i think that comes with the realization of that god is going to teach you something more than you're going to be you know like mm. we have this I don't know. It's not always a supremacy issue, but it is a supremacy issue at the same time. Like we come here to teach. And that's why it's so easy for missionaries to come and close people out of their house. And their house is a certain, they call it safe space, which basically means regular people can't come in, whatever that means. But then when you go to work, your missions is a job or whatever, you know, and you, so it, it is a, from a position of supremacy, right? Like, because you think you're here to teach and whatever, but you have, to, like you said, you have to be open-minded and really sensitive to the Holy Spirit where He's leading you. Because, I mean, you may think you're going for one thing. That's, but that's what you said. Like God never told you, that, you know. But you come and God teaches you things through all these ways and all these things that you never would have imagined that you would be doing and leading ministries that you never would things that you thought you were incapable of. Like so, if 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 someone would have told me, hey, you're going to go to Trinidad and you're going to lead a church there, I wouldn't have come. Like, just straight up, why would I do that? I don't do that. That's not what I do. I'm not good at that. I can't do, you know, whatever. So I would have not come. But on the other side of it, had I come here, like, I'm coming to lead a church. You know what I mean? Like, and that's not rat bad for people to go with the plan to plan a church. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm talking about me specifically. I'm coming to lead a church. Then it can also come with from my American perspective and the way that I think could definitely turn into supremacy and like, like, you know what I mean? I'm here to teach you all. I'm not here to learn anything. We don't, we never say I'm not here to learn anything, but we definitely, sometimes when we say I'm here to teach, we think that that means we can't learn nothing. And so, yeah, like just coming in and obviously having a plan and whatever, but like definitely being open, like let the, let, let the Holy Spirit lead you to where he wants you to be and, and open doors, open your eyes more than anything. Cause I think, at the end of this, I think I'll have learned and grew more here than people who have been a part of our ministry have grown. You know what I mean? More than people, quote unquote, have grown from us, from listening to us. I think I'll probably have grown more than them. And that's not because I'm bigger. It's because, like you know, I realized 10 years in or whatever it is, 11 years, 10 years, something like that, in that, like, God is growing. All, you know what I mean? He's growing all of us and, and we all and like. So I see Paul, why Paul is writing and saying, basically, in my own words, if God sees fit, I'll visit you in this time. Because he, he doesn't really know. Those are his plans. But he also knows that God does what, you know, God does what God does. And I'm, I'm like, he's, like we talked about last week, I'm a slave to you. I'm, in, I'm submitted to you. And so whatever it is that, you know, if I think I'm going to come and preach and plant a church or whatever, but if God has me cleaning latrines or whatever, then maybe that's what I'll end up, you know what I mean? Just yeah. kind of being open and just fluid to wherever the Holy Spirit leads you. Because, again, planning is great, and it's de- even necessary in having an idea of what you're going to be doing and whatever, but God does not, is not restricted by your plans. And so I think, you know, sometimes you come and, and 
want to force stuff because that's what you signed up for. And that makes sense. But also just not understanding the journey that he's about to take you on. Like, you know, again, had you told me that I'd be working with churches and stuff like that, man, no way. I would, I would not have come in the missions mm-hmm. had I known this is what I was going to be doing. Now, I don't regret it now. That sounds regretful. Like, I, would, I got stuck here. <laughs> I love it now. Like, there's nothing else I would rather do. Yeah. But I, when I first started, you know what I mean? Had I not, like, had, I, had you said, all right, you're going to go in your 10 years, going to be like, ah, no thanks. I'd rather build my own empire, you know, like <laughs> whatever, you know. I but think, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say through the yeah, I was just going to say, through, but through all the years of orphanage work and this and mm. and uh, homeless ministry and you know all these different things that we've done, I've seen the need for, I've understood more from the from that perspective the need for the local church and strong, healthy churches, mm. and so it's not just something I've heard at that point. Now it's something that oh. This is a need. And I didn't respond to it like this is a need. Like, oh, let me start a church. That's not, that never happened. For me, it was like, oh, this is a need. And so I kind of started dimming and being more supportive. I was already supportive of the church, but more intentional about it. Being supportive of the church and understanding how, how much of a need the local church, you know, is to the community. How much of a pillar it is for this whole process of discipleship that we have. And then it just kind of grew from there. And my passions changed. And God did give me new desires in my heart, you know. Um, didn't give me what I was asking for, but he gave me desires in my heart, you know? And so, and it definitely just changed the whole way that I see the world and the way that obviously that we do missions. And here we are. I mean, look at the board I'm writing this stuff. I never thought like, you know, or what are you going to say? There, um, no, and you kind of like transitioned it really well to what I was going to say is that, um, I would say, you know, when you're preparing to go on missions is, is definitely have a plan and idea of what you want to do. But to, to also remember that what you feel is the need of the people you're going to serve could be very different from what they feel are their needs. Um, because you can, we can come in and say, okay, Trinidad needs help in their education system, right? Um, but then you get here and the parents are saying, we can't send our kids to school because it's raining and the roads are terrible and we all get to school either by foot or on a motorcycle. So you get here and realize their need is structure in their streets or I don't know you know so so meanwhile you're pushing you know elevating the education system which is great it's amazing and is also needed but the most urgent need is is they can't get there unless we do this or we help with this so sometimes um, that's a reason why your plans are changed as well you know you, you you plan on going to do one thing and then you end up having to do a, B, and C before you can get to the Absolutely. D, you know? It's it's like, uh, I always forget this guy's name, sorry. Is it Isaac Jacob who married Leah and then with the lazy eye? And then he married, he wanted to marry Rebecca, but he had to... Was it Jacob? I can't Google it. I can't remember. Anyways, you guys who who know the Bible better than me, no, <laughs> barely know what I'm talking about. So, but it's like that, you know, he wanted to marry, who do you want to marry? Rachel? And he ended up with Rebecca, right? Or Leah, I'm getting everybody confused. <laughs> he got he wanted to marry one. You know what I'm talking about? No. It's in the Bible. He he worked for Laman. Is his name? Yeah, Laban. Laban. He worked for Laban. Who was it? I'm, I'm oh, I thought you, what you. What are you? Are you on Facebook? <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't. We have Wi-Fi. What you, what's taking so long? It's slow. Negative. She and her younger sister Rachel. Okay, what is his name? Jacob. Though? Jacob. Yeah, Jacob. You know what I'm talking about now? No. Okay. Well, so Jacob worked for Laban, and he wanted to marry Rachel. That's who he wanted to marry, right? Um, but I'm still reading. He wanted to marry. He look. There's Jacob and these two, two sisters, right? 
And he wanted to marry one. And anyways. Yeah, he went to marry Rachel, but uh, Leah was older. I already had that. (laughs) Yeah, Leah. I was confirming. And so, yeah, I had it right the first time. So it was Leah. Yeah. And so he wanted to marry Rachel. And so her dad is like, you got to work seven years before you marry my daughter. And his goal was to marry Rachel. He ends up working for seven years for this guy. And you don't know the story? Yeah, I recognize it. Okay, I was like, good grief. Where were you in Sunday school? Never mind. That's a trick question. I know where you were. You're being naughty. And uh, <laughs> what is the way he was getting what? What was he getting? Uh, <laughs> his sister said? Yeah, yeah. Stressy. Yeah, you're getting stressy. <laughs> anyway, sorry. It's a side joke. Um, so he wants to marry, you know, he goes to marry this girl and he ends up having to work for seven years for her. And then he gets to... He gets to the wedding and he, he, I guess he says, I do. And he pulls the thing up and it's her ugly sister. Dang. <laughs> that's what the Bible says. I know, but it's still hard. That's, well, I mean, I, that's just what the Bible says. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. And so, he get, you know, he gets the sister with the lazy eyes. I better yes. say the lazy eyed sister when he was expecting one he thought was pretty. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. And um, so then his, his father-in-law's like, gotcha. Hey, if you want to marry Rachel too, you got to work seven more years, you know, and he just was, I think, but you see that he was super blessed by him, you know, by his, by him not like getting a nasty attitude or whatever he's blessed by. And I think a lot of times we come in, if I come here, like you were saying, I want to do a basketball program and I get here and there's no clean water for people to drink. It's a little bit foolish if I keep like, oh no, let's go run, run. And, like, there's no water to drink. People are dehydrated. And, you know, they got now they can walk 16 miles carrying water on their shoulders after playing basketball. Or we can say, man, what's more important right now, basketball or water? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, a, you know, very easy. And so, hey, guys. And it's a weird thing for your supporters, too, right? Hey, guys, I know I talked about basketball for six months on my way down here. But we're making a slight change. I'm going to build wells now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a slight change. It makes yeah. you seem unstable, you know. And so... So now you have to build that. And you can still want to do basketball, but you, there's other things that are more important. And you start. The thing is, is you have a plan for a community that you've never been to. Maybe you visited, but mm-hmm. you never lived in. Yeah. And so that's already a sketchy thing to make plans for a place that you're not really sure what, what the needs are. Mm-hmm. You think you know what the needs are, but you're not sure from their perspective. But when you move into a community and you get to like engage and love and develop a passion for these people, then you develop a passion for their well-being. And so when you develop a passion for the well-being, you cannot come and just skip over necessary things like needing fresh water and just play basketball every day. Yeah. You, you can't do that. You can't bring yourself to do it. You can do it if you don't, honestly, it'll be, honestly, if you don't care, but you can't bring yourself to live here and there's no fresh water, no clean water. And you see the effects of that. People dying of cholera, I think that's how you say it. I don't know. And like, you know, something that people haven't died in since the 1900s or whatever, or hasn't been a, like a pandemic or whatever. It's just, anyway, it's a whole different thing. But people dying of something so simple, mm-hmm. and it, and you're still playing basketball. Like, it's foolish. But I think when you develop a passion for the people, then it begins to, you, then recently you begin to prioritize, like, oh, this needs to be done. And then, but that's what ministry really does or whatever, you know? Sort of builds. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I think that puts, like, it makes you, I, just being flexible, I guess, is the thing. Is like, I guess it gets back to the point of be flexible because you don't know. You have your again, have your plans and whatever. But um, at the end of the day, like, yeah. you don't know. You haven't lived there and whatever. Yeah. And so, it yeah. definitely have a plan. You got to raise money. People want to hear a plan and whatever. Have a plan that you want to do, but also understand that that may not be 
the best thing and you're going to find that out after mm-hmm. being here for you know a year or so but i don't know whatever the case may be yeah it's, it's similar to what you keep saying of the you know do we do we actually want to like solve problems or do we just want to keep putting mm-hmm. plasters or band-aids over well, like major major wounds and you know you like you said you know uh you you think you know a need and then mm-hmm. you spend a month there two months there three months there and you mm-hmm. realize okay that's just a flesh wound compared to yeah everything yeah. else that goes on and yeah that that is when you're that's when your plans do change and i think that's it's where you get frustrated as well absolutely like, um, I know, like, personally, I got frustrated with the football ministry mm. in the sense of you go there, you play football, you have a good time. They all love it. I loved it. It was nine hours a week. But I know some of the homes those boys are going back to. I know some of the situations they're going back to. Um, a lot of them are just from abusive backgrounds. Yeah. A lot of their parents probably don't even know where they are 95% of the time. Um, they just do whatever they want. Like, they skip school whenever they want, and no one, no one bats an eyelid. Yeah. Um, you know, kids will come to football training who I know should be at school at that time, yeah. and you ask them why are you in school, and they go, oh, "I didn't feel like it today, so yeah. I didn't go." Um, and so, there gets a point where you're like, "Okay, I don't want to just play football anymore. Um, I want to do more." Um, and I think that's that's when it starts to get hard because you're like, "Okay, yeah. how can I do more?" Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's uh you know you, you start to discover actual needs within mm-hmm. within the community, you know, and that's not saying that the value of playing football with them isn't valued anymore. Yeah. Um, but you start looking at it, going, okay, what more can we add to this? So it's not just three hours of football a week or whatever. Yeah, and it's just from the outside in, you can. It's very easy to see symptoms. So you can sit. We can, you can live in Florida, and you can kind of see. You can visit here once a year or whatever, and you can see the symptoms. And of, of what's going on. And so you can develop a plan based on the symptoms, but the symptoms aren't always, you, you, we don't treat, you, don't, you know what I mean? We don't treat symptoms when, when there is a solution to the root problem. The difference is, is I, think, I think we all see that. The difference is the root problem is always a much deeper mm-hmm. issue that requires a lot more commitment than what we thought we were going to give. Yeah. You know, I thought I was going to come here for three months. And now I find myself like really pondering and thinking about, you know, confronting the root issue of whatever in, in X community or whatever, you know, um, or community X. And so then you're, you're stuck and you are frustrated because like, well, now I'm just going to play, you know, whatever. I'm going to do a kid's program for three weeks when the real issue is alcoholism and like lack of fathers. Right. This is a big this is a, this, now it goes from um, I'm not it's going to sound insulting, but I just can't goes from cuteness to discipleship. And so it gets really nasty and dirty real quick because mm-hmm. now we have to deal with fatherlessness and uh, godly men stepping up. But that's scary because if I start something with godly men, that means I may have to be here for 15 years mm-hmm. and I only want to be here for six months. And, you know, like, so now you're confronted with the <laughs> You're confronted, you know, with. So, it's just, I, again, it goes back to being open, man. I think mm. anytime that we really i'll be honest anytime we confront issues with the gospel it's going to be a long-term thing yeah like uh what's it called um societal issues i guess you can say or challenges it's going to be long term now it doesn't mean like you've done you've come along to help the church and you're, you're committed for two years that's fine and not just fine it's good sorry <laughs> it's good it's good that you're here and that, that's needed but at the same time like also understanding this is a long-term work and so it needs to be someone 
that's where we come in to who is committed to the long-term work of what this is going. Cause I think for, for like for us, that was our thing for, for a long time is like, we did a lot of stuff and we've helped a lot of people, a lot of people. We've helped a lot of people in their ministries. We helped a lot of people um, just in the streets or whatever. However, for, for a long time, I was scared to go for the route because it was such a big commitment. So when we moved back to Bolivia, I don't know if we've talked about this much, but when we moved back to Bolivia. We were like two years, right? That's what mm, we said. Yeah. Two years and then we're done. That's that's like, I don't know if we ever told you this. No. So when we, it was a, there's a lot going on in our time, mentally, emotionally, whatever. Moved back to Bolivia. We're like, all right, we're done two years and then we're done with missions. The problem was, in the two years, we, we helped a lot of people, but the problem was, is we could never do what we really wanted to do and felt called to do even because two years wasn't enough time to do it. Anytime you started dreaming and thinking about it, you're like, man. Two years is barely making a dent. Yeah, by the time I start this, it's going to be like, like my two years is up, so don't do it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so but then it came a point like, well, maybe, (laughs) maybe if I have these passions, I'm not speaking for you, but just like I'm curbing this towards Simon, like indirectly. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm definitely not doing that. But I'm really, I'm legit talking about us. Um, And it may relate to you, but I think it relates to a bunch of people is if the things that you're passionate about, if they can't be done in your your committed amount of time, then you should reconsider your committed amount of time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And 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 be open and flexible to do that, because a lot of the issues that we are we are called to make disciples. Okay, so how do you do discipleship in what is this? Nuevo Manacer, Trinidad, which is the name of our community. How do you make disciples here? Oh, you go and we do a basketball program. Good. That's good. It's a good thing you do a football program. That's good and necessary. But when you, like you said, when you get into the football program, you start seeing more issues that are deeper, and you're like, man, and you, and it gets, it just, you don't know where the bottom is, and you may not know where it is yet, right? Like yeah. you don't know, so you you, the issue maybe was not that there isn't football, but the issue is spending time with people, and you see that there's a necessity to spend time with kids and to train them up and discipline and all that. Definitely an issue, but the more you got involved in football, the more you realize that oh, this is a symptom of the root issue. And it's good to treat this, but you find yourself thinking about the root issue. Mm. But then you're also challenged because you're like, and I'm just, I am speaking for you now. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to be here for a year more. How can I treat this root issue? And that's a tough, it's a tough thing. Mm-hmm. And you really just got to make a decision. I mean, obviously, you know, see God and whatever, see God's will for it. But like, it, it, it stinks because you're like, man, you, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? And yeah. so it's like. Because if I do something, I, I may get, it's not necessarily stuck. But yeah, I may get stuck here for 15 years. Like, I'm, this may be what it, t- and like, that's a big, like, I only signed up for six months of this. You know, like, yeah. I, came, I came to play football for a few days, and then God, you know, started changing my heart and gave me a passion to reach these people or kids or adults. And you came here for six months, and then 10 years later, you're planting churches. And that's the way it works, though, you know, a lot of times, not all the time. But a lot of times, and I think, but yeah, it's just being open to that and just understanding that what you see from the outside as a symptom is not always the problem. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. the result of the problem. And you can treat that and you will feel good about yourself. You will. You could be totally satisfied with doing football. Totally satisfied. And no one would say anything to you because it's a good thing. It's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. But you've noticed because you're a smart guy, you've noticed that, oh, this isn't the only, the issue goes so much deeper than this, you know? Yeah. And so, is somebody breathing in the mic like that? <laughs> I think it's the laptop. Oh, I thought, I thought it was you, because you do stuff like that. So anyways, <laughs> it was just sounded a little like this. Like what? But anyways, 
so that yeah the the, the deep issues are, are the things to be dealt with and those are the things that you see eternal change with and so i think in short-term missions plays into this right because you're supporting what the long-term missionaries are doing and you know there's a lot of different stuff in there but mm. yeah it, it is a tricky thing because it's like if you go to the hospital and you're like hey i want to know what's wrong with me what do you have like oh i've been having these crazy headaches and my chest has been and they give you a painkiller well that it helps my pain but it does, i don't know that it helps the problem yeah. the problem isn't my pain the pain is a result of the problem you know and oftentimes i think we look at pain as the problem oh we just want to solve it and that's the kind of the same mentality as a drug addict you know just want to, just whatever right now to fix it fix it i want i got this feeling i want to get that feeling get that feeling get that feeling that's not we need to go after the root issue and a lot you know a lot of drug addicts are dealing with depression or anxiety or whatever but they need they need real help internal help and not just treating the symptoms and i think we have to be responsible uh, and, and the way that we go about and strategic, right? The way we go about and who we're partnering with and how long and how not long and whatever, making sure that we're at least supporting the work that's being done, um, like Simon has done, just so you know. <laughs> um, but for, for long-term, good to, to go to, to help be a solution to the problem and not just treating the symptoms, you know? Yeah. I, I said the same thing like 50 times, but yeah. I think um, one thing that we should all continuously work on but specifically when you're going on missions be prepared to um to be conscious about intentional about is that when you are when we are doing these um projects when we are taking on the responsibility of discipling someone or doing a basketball program whatever that the recipient doesn't become dependent on you that you're always make sure that you're always pointing them to jesus and yeah that they come looking at you make sure you say, okay, yeah, you came to me, but you can come to this conclusion yourself by doing this and show them where to find truth, show them where to find hope because uh, we as missionaries unintentionally perpetuate this cycle of this wave of missionaries comes in, the community's doing great because they can depend on this missionary and their program. The missionary feels like they need to go back home and everyone just kind of falls apart. No mm. one's attending church. No one is a believer anymore. You don't, you don't know what happened. And then another missionary comes in and then they're all like, oh, great, we have some hope now. We have something to cling mm -hmm. to for wisdom. And then they leave it. You know, this is going to happen forever. And we've seen it happen over and over again, you know. Okay. Uh, I, th I think it goes back to the fundraising thing, you know, uh, uh, mentality wise, because I think when we, when we depi, we, we rely, I was going to say depend or rely, but then I got confused. When we depend, when we depend or rely on Jesus, we put our faith in him. We know that he's our provider. And then we also lead people to our provider because we're not taking credit for it. Mm -hmm. But when we have that mentality of I'm doing this, I raised the money to get here. I put my time, I invested in you guys. I taught, then I get the credit. That's the natural flow of it. And so you definitely don't want to, you definitely want people to follow you um, more than Jesus. You don't, you won't say that ever, mm -hmm. but that's the reality of it. And you definitely want your credit. You want to be recognized. You want to be, you want people to be dependent on you because you want to feel important mm -hmm. because you think you gave so much. I gave, I did, I went, I, you know, I, I worked hard, I, whatever. And we all fall into that because be quite frank we do work hard yeah you know? i was going to say that that what you're saying people might be listening to and say well that's obvious you know but no it, it's very obvious and even in it being so obvious we still allow that to creep into our our mindset and our our um our feelings i guess you would say absolutely you know? well because i mean you you're when you're working hard and you're putting the work in and the hours in you start to believe that it's you mm. 
but you forget why you're working hard. You're working hard not so you can reach people in, in a sense. I mean, yes, you are, but you're working hard because of what he did for you. And he's worth it. He's worth to live your life in this manner, to reach people, to love people, because you're so passionate and you're so um, um, concerned about the gospel getting out and people getting to know a real and true Jesus so they can have eternal life as well. That's the perspective, right? But you can, when you cut Jesus out of it, and, and unintentionally and subconsciously sometimes, you start feeling like people owe you something and you deserve and you need the credit and you need the, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a very tough, and I, I know the pastors deal with this as well, you know, all over the world. It's like, because you put the work in. I listened to you complain for six years. Mm-hmm. I did this. And, you know, when we get mad, that's when it all comes out, right? Mm-hmm. Like our true feelings about it is, I did this, I did that. And blah, but I thought you were doing it as unto the Lord. <laughs> like, and you, I think you can't lose sight of the cross in all of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Lose sight of the cross in the, of like, that not only, it's not that you owe Jesus this, it's that this is a pleasure to be able to work hard so that people get to know Jesus. That I get to be an ambassador and a representative of somebody that I'm not worthy to even be re- associated with their name. And not only associated, but I've taken on this name. I've been called a son and I've been sent out. So, oh, let me, how am I act now? Like, this is, this is a pleasure. This is a privilege for me to be able to do this. And so let me, you know, let me take care of business in that sense. And so then all of a sudden now you're not, it doesn't feel like you're working hard or earning anything. It feels like, man, it, it's, it's a, it's a joy, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to do this. And it's a joy to, to have, because <clears throat> these people, if God wants to reach somebody, they're going to be reached with or without me. And that's a very hard pill to swallow, mm-hmm. you know, because you, you start going well, people start writing you little messages and inviting you to different meetings in the city. And you feel great. Like you feel like you're doing good. And you, again, you've put yourself back in the, in the, and it's okay to be, you know, to, to celebrate things that happen because God is using you and, and you working mightily, blah, 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 whatever. But it's very easy to put yourself in the center of the equation and make Jesus the helper or just remove Jesus from the equation altogether. And it's like, yeah, because Ramon's hard work. They've uh, recognized him as such. A, you know what I mean? And like, that's not that's not what it is about the grace of God. And and say that and mean that and not just the words, but like understanding what, what does that mean? The grace of God is like you don't deserve to be here. And not only do you not deserve to be here. You don't deserve to be alive, first of all. Wages of sin is death. Like, so that's already off top. Like, <laughs> you deserve to be, you know, dead. And so, by his grace, do you breathe? But not only that, he goes further and he sends us, we get in the sonship. Now he sends us, calls us his own, and we're representatives of him. Now we're representatives of his kingdom and eternity forever. Like, I'm not worthy of this kingdom. And so I think just keeping that perspective and really getting in the practice of preaching the gospel to yourself on a regular basis and just keeping that at the forefront and, you know, so that you can remember what is, that he's responsible for all this. And, you, and so you're not, and you're still going to struggle with it, like at least be tempted by it, I should say, but taking the credit and wanting people to depend on you and lean on you and whatever. But when you have that perspective of I'm only the same word I tried to use a minute ago, the manguera, the... the I can't remember the English word for it. But anyways. The branch? No. No. It's the the vessel. That's the nice Christian word we like to use. When you realize that I'm just the vessel, then it's very much easier to teach people, follow me. It's okay to follow me as as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. So you need to keep your eyes not on me, but keep your eyes on who's ahead of me. So that when I fall or when I walk away or when I disappear, you can continue in the footsteps of him. Yeah. And the, you, see, you, you only follow me as long as I'm in between you and Jesus, you know. But if something happens to me, you can continue following Jesus. And, you know, so, and it, obviously we all love that message and it sounds cute and whatever. But when it comes to putting it in practice, it's tough, you know, because it, it definitely takes away all credit from us. 
again, we, we, and we have, we put the hours in, we've put the, the, you know, we've taken the criticisms, we've raised the money, we've, you know, we've done all this and, but really it's God who's done, done the work, you know, mm-hmm. he's done all the work. And so it's like, it's definitely a, a humbling thing in that sense, but it's the correct thing. And we all know it's the right thing, but it's just a tough thing that we struggle with, you know, cause that is definitely a temptation. It's when you put in work, especially in like, um, like, uh, community development projects, like, like we're doing. <clears throat> so like, let's say we get to where we want to go. We're starting a community center. Our church is going to be flourishing. We're going to have small groups here and there, and we're going to be helping other churches, right? We're going to have all these programs for the community, all, you know, program, workout programs, football, whatever, computer, whatever you want to call it, like uh, safe home for abused women. Who's going to put the work in to do that? We are. And so the natural tendency is to lose sight of the source and just look at the work and not remember why we're doing the work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so then we get into like, oh, well, I did the work. I did this. And you start feeling like people are ungrateful, you know, and I, we all struggle with that. Definitely. Um, but it's just remember where it comes from, I think. And, and remember, this is all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's all about Jesus. It's not even a little. It's not 90, 10, <laughs> not 95, 5, not 99, 1. It's all it's 100 percent about Jesus. If they forget my name three days after I leave, but remember the name of Jesus, then it's my life could not have been a better, bigger success. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very hard thing to do because we're tempted with naming, not, not name, naming lights necessarily, but like, you just want recognition. If you put work in, you want <laughs> recognition, you know what I mean? That's and it's not, it's not about recognition. It's about God getting the glory. And if God gets the glory from your life, if no one ever sees you, then God is glorified and God is, um, is uh, what is it? Um, yeah, God is glorified through your life, regardless if everybody sees it or not, you know. I just had to pray that prayer like two days ago. Uh, a lady that I know from school wrote me just asking for advice for uh, her child. And, um, you know, I just gave her what I thought was wisdom. Spanker. That's what I, that's what I would have said. Spank her. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And, um, and you know, I prayed with her and then afterwards you know she thanked me and then afterwards it was just like yeah i did this thing you know oh yeah <laughs> like, uh, like yeah. yeah she came to me yeah <laughs> i'm kind of smart right. <laughs> you know what I mean? and immediately i just felt the holy spirit just check me and like this has nothing to do with you 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 were able to give her hope and that hope comes from me you know and and i just had to pray like god please don't let i just don't want I want you to get the glory so <laughs> I help me want to give you the glory every chance that I get because this ugly thing called flesh is something that you don't expect <laughs> you don't expect that stuff to Which happen it's weird because it's constant in your whole life it, yeah. you know what I mean like it happens like I'll do that if I'm preaching and, and I'll say something that's not in my notes but it's honestly most of the time it's a realization in the moment and I'll say it and I'm like oh man and it'd be like a real good yeah, like point it's, right? it's, it's legit and like people come up to you after like man that was a good point and I'm like, yeah, it was a good point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's what I do. Wasn't it's even what in I my do. notes. Yeah, this is what I do. I just spit these little things out. You know, you need something else? Uh, here's a nugget for you. You know, my grandma's church, they do nuggets. Like, I got a 20 piece for you, my man. Like, give you all you need, you know? And you really do, man. It's like, and it's the Holy Spirit feeding you the information. Uh-huh. And, you know, I feel like. You know, and I know he doesn't say, maybe he does say this, but I'm like, man, you're an idiot without me. Yes. Like you're so, even your best ideas are just stupid filth wisdom. without, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wisdom is folly or your wisdom, man's wisdom is foolishness to the yeah. Lord. 
like your best ideas are the dumbest things I've ever heard. You know what I mean? Like that's really. Why is that true? It, because it is. You know what I mean? Like you come and even like and so now and when when you're like when you get into a good church and you're hearing sound teaching and stuff and you go and listen to a preacher and he's saying some stuff and you see people like if it's on Facebook or whatever commenting. And be like, oh wow, and you're like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Like that's because that's because you're walking in the spirit. And that's because you you're in a sound church, you're hearing sound teaching, and you know who the source is. But when we don't have that, you know what I mean? Like the best ideas and the best quote unquote analogies, and it's the it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life. And but I think for us that's the, it's the same thing. And so when we do say something deeper profound or give some wise counsel or whatever, recognizing that's coming from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so as soon as you, like, and this is like the less of me, more of you argument, whatever, you know, um, is like, because like, it is as soon as you get your hopes of like, oh man, I, I ain't as dumb as I thought. And he's like, man, that was me. And like, you knew it was you, you know what I mean? And then like, oh yeah, I forgot I'm worthless. And you're like, well, but he's, but, but he's like, but he's like, you're not worthless because I've made you worthy, but I've only made you worthy because I'm in you, you know what I mean? And yeah. so it's like, it's not about you. It's about me. <laughs> And yeah, and so no, definitely, that is definitely a struggle uh, of wanting credit and like, yeah, feeling good about yourself when you do something productive. And it's weird because you pray for you pray to God for these opportunities. God, yeah. just give give us wisdom. Yep. And like Dick James says, give him wisdom. You said ask and God wisdom and Solomon and this and God just give me wisdom. And God gives you wisdom, and now you forgot that it was God that gave it to you. <laughs> now it's, you. it's like uh, what's his, uh, Joseph when he's like, "Hey, don't forget me when you go out." And he's like, "Okay," and he forgets somebody. <laughs> like, like you know, but we do that to, and but it shows how deep His grace and mercy and love and His commitment to us is. Mm-hmm. Is that in the midst of all of our foolishness and unwillingness to give Him credit when we know seconds before, like. Dude, I come in here and I pray before service every week when we used to have church back in the good old days. <laughs> um, I, you know, every week I come in here and pray and I pray that it be communicated well and blah, blah, blah. If it doesn't go well, then I'm like, I don't know what happened. I guess that's the good thing is I take credit when it doesn't go well. But then if it goes well, I'm like, yeah, did a pretty good job. But I'm like, no, you just spent all this, t- like, you know what I mean? You spent pr- Like, this is God just working through you. Yeah. And if you continue on in your pride, then he will remove you and he'll work pro- possibly better through someone else who's less prideful. So get your stuff together. Like, you know what I mean? Submit mm-hmm. yourself. <laughs> like, you know. And so, yeah, it's definitely the struggle, though. Mm-hmm. Wanting credit. Want, and feeling, just feeling good about yourself, you know. The temptation of finding your identity in anything but Christ, you know. Yeah. And, and not finding wholeness and completeness in him and not being completely satisfied in him is just a sin you know anything outside of faith can be sin you know and in those moments we are outside of faith in him you know mm-hmm. definitely faith in ourselves, whatever that's the struggle it's yeah. the constant struggle and you think it gets easier with your experience in ministry but i would say it gets harder because it's it's always a a daily thing it's a daily in a moment decision to give god the glory in 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 everything you know and to submit yourself to him it's not like oh i've been doing this for 10 years it just comes so easy and naturally for me yeah no. yeah that's true it's so funny because when i when i started singing worship at church um you know in the beginning people were like oh you've got a beautiful voice oh i was so blessed by that and then after a while they just kind of get used to you know and that's an, that's another area i think it happens with preaching too people just get used to having sound preaching and, and and people get used to having good worship and 
it, it's just like, man, these comments are not coming anymore. Compliments. <laughs> compliments. Compliments. Yeah, these compliments are not coming anywhere. What's going on? I just feel like it's the Lord saying so. It's not about you anyway. Yeah, which I think is a good he thing. Snatched them away. <laughs> pe- people should be used to sound teaching and excellence. You know what I mean? That should be normal for people. Yeah. When they get with their friends and uh, from other churches and they start talking about maybe stuff that they do wrong, they should be like, oh, what? That's weird. Yeah. Like, why? You know, uh, I don't. Because I think for me, our church is not a huge responsive church. You know what I mean? So you can, I mean, you can preach the best sermon ever preached in the history of the world. And now after people will come and maybe and say like, oh, I really like that sermon, whatever to you. But like, it really keeps you honest. I'm not saying that's wrong by any means because it's not wrong. But um, it keeps you honest. It keeps you honest to the truth mm-hmm. because you don't, people don't start responding and like, amen or whatever. And now you start preaching for the more amen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, that's not a temptation at all. Like, you just know, because you, you don't know. You can go, you can preach the best six weeks of your life, and no one will ever say anything to you. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you can preach one sermon that you feel like is okay, and then someone comes up to you and like, oh. But it keeps you honest in the sense of, like, oh, I'm here to preach truth. I'm not here for people to like it. Yeah. Or dislike it. Neither or. I'm here to preach the truth, and that's it. So I, the, the praise and accolades, can they, you know, that's for somebody else. Because yeah. you can get people hyped up. And you can be a really entertaining preacher, and everybody's gonna come to you every week and be like, "Oh, that was great! Oh, that was so fun! Ha <laughs> ha! That joke was so funny! Ha! <laughs> it's Ramon. It's not my name, guys. Um, and so you know that stuff like that. But like, it doesn't matter. At the, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't even matter what you think. It matters what the word says. Mm-hmm. You know, and just preach the truth. And it keeps you honest to preaching the truth, and keeps the credit away from you and the temptation of to try to be like more sexy with your, yeah. you know, preaching, trying to be cooler or whatever. Just preach the truth, and I, I, I mean that's your responsibility, you know. Preach truth, walk in truth, obviously, but preach truth to people and let them deal with it. This is a struggle, though. It's a big time struggle. I think I don't know. I think most people can relate, especially in ministry. I think most people can relate to this. But it, it's not just just um, confined to ministry. It's in personal life as well. You know, you become a millionaire. Man, I worked hard for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this is a stewardship issue. We're, about to run into now, you know, yeah. because God bless you with that money to build his kingdom. And you got six boats and you know, like it is, you know, that's not like, moth and rust will destroy all that. Thieves can break in and steal all that. Like it's sinking sand, you know. Yeah. And so anyways. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot we can talk about. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> we only hit like three points. Yeah, we may be do a part two at some point, maybe next week. Yeah, we can. We'll see if we can come up with some more stuff this week. We'll do a part two next week. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You good for you? Got anything else to add? I have, but go, no, go no, for no, it. Go, no, 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 no. This is it's, it's a long comment, so go, save go, it for no. Go save for it. For part no, two. we have time now. Go for it. I was just going to say, like, um, being aware of your culture and then being aware of other cultures before coming, I think, is mm. a really important uh, thing to grasp. So just like. That, a, the basics of knowing that not every culture is the same. So what you grew up in, like even us, the American culture to the UK culture, mm. I think a lot of times you think, oh, but you speak English, I speak English, so our cultures must be exactly the same. <laughs> you know, it took, I think it took me about six months before I was happy sitting down in your house without you having to tell me to take a seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like last week. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, and so you've got like small things like that that you don't realize. And then obviously you've got, You've got things that are really dear to you that you didn't know they're dear to you until they're taken away from you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think being aware that when you go to a new culture that parts of your culture are going to be stripped away and knowing 
um, like knowing which ones to hold on to, I guess, and knowing which ones to let go, like which ones, okay, are your morals and your values and which ones is just a cultural preference. Mm. Like for me, um, honesty and timing are two morals and values that I won't let go. Like, so we, the culture that we're surrounded in here, it's okay if just to say yes to something, even if you know you have no intention of going to it. Someone yeah. could invite you somewhere and so you go, oh, is, uh, is this on tomorrow? And they go, yeah, 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 it's on. Even though they know it probably isn't going to be on, mm-hmm. they'll still say, oh, yeah, it's on. Um, and so you go to it and you find out, oh, it's, it's not actually on. Or they, you go, oh, what time did it start? Oh, it starts at eight. And so you get there for eight and it doesn't start until like nine, 10 or 11 or something like that. Um, and you get a decision at that point, like, does that annoy me? Do I hold on to it? Do I do I just say, oh, that's the culture or whatnot? Um, and then do you play along to that culture? So do I then start mm-hmm. going, oh, yeah, oh, you know, and start telling little lies or being late and things like that? Um, so you have to make those decisions like, okay, which which things are cultural preferences and which ones are your morals and values? And being aware of them before entering a culture, yeah. I think, really helps. I think because we have cultural sins, mm. which aren't biblical sins. They're not sins against God. They're sins against our culture. And you have to be very careful because we can make our culture an idol in that sense, you know. And so, for instance, um, walking around naked in the United States would be frowned upon. And, and most, you know, there's some groups or whatever, but but <laughs> and mo- that's frowned upon. But in some places of the world, and this is, this is something that's happened, by the way. Some places of the world, they don't use clothes. And like a lot of villages, this is for what? They don't, what's the, I mean, what's the problem? And so a lot of missionaries, what they've done back in the day, not today, I don't, I don't think, is they would go to these remote villages and one of the first thing they would do is make everybody put clothes on. Why? Because you have a perverted eye that's been made by your culture that way? Because, oh, in my country we wear clothes, so now I have to, you know, and so it, it becomes colonial, colonialism really easily and really quick when we become more concerned with spreading our culture than, than with the faith of Jesus. Yeah. And, and um, I think, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a fine line there, obviously, because there are some things that are, that are in our culture that are sinful as well. And so as Christians, we definitely have to confront and teach believers that, but then also recognize in our own self, what are the sins that we, ha- what are the things that are culturally correct, but are, but are sinful in our own culture? And we all, of course, our own culture, it's not as black and white. Oh, well, it's just that, you know, we always have an excuse, but it's the same thing on the other side of it. And be really sensitive to that and just think in terms of the kingdom of God and not in terms of, American culture or English culture, um, you know, or whatever, Bolivian culture, whatever, not thinking those terms of making cultural sins, sins against God, because it offends you doesn't mean it offends God, doesn't necessarily mean it that way, you know, oh, he wore this color shirt and my, you know, uh, whatever, or you come, or you're, you know, Republican or a Democrat in the United States and you come down and everybody has on Obama shirts from where they got them from the market and you, oh, you don't wear that to church, you know, or whatever, or if they have Make America Great Again hats on in the farm and we don't wear that because, you know, what it's no, like that's not, you're focusing on the wrong thing. When I was in the Dominican Republic, we were in the Dominican Republic, there's a guy at church and he had, he had his shirt on and it, it said some cuss words. I'll just say that. Some really bad ones. And, uh, you know, like no one told him to take it off. We, we, we like the pastor was like, he, he was snickering because it's funny, like he, he had no idea what he had on, but he wasn't like, hey, but we don't work. No one speaks English. So it's not, you know, it's not a fit. Just make we, we can't make things that are offensive to me personally or things that I don't like a sin. And that's that's what we tend to do, you know. And it's being late. 
wrong? Uh, yes, kind of, but no. Like you know what I mean? You see Jesus showing up late, so kind of consistently. I think also like not allowing that to then put you into sin, because mm. I think mm-hmm. like that can become the, the like the next thing. So like like when we went to these graduation parties. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. whatnot. So, like, I mean, English culture is very much, you have to, if you're not 10 minutes early, then you're late. So if yeah. something starts at nine o'clock, if you're not there by 8.50, you're late. Like, even if it doesn't start to nine, 8.50, or you're late. That, like, that's it. Everyone knows that. Everyone does it. So, like, here it's like, I got the invite, and it was it's something like I said, uh, starts at eight. I mean, I messaged mm-hmm. you, being like, hey, what time are we leaving? And you're like, uh, we'll leave at about nine. And then we get yeah. there, and we're still yeah. the first ones yeah, yeah. there. Oh, yeah, and in far. my head, I'm thinking, this is just outrageous. This is the weird, yeah. like, as I'm like, even leaving at nine, I'm still like uncomfortable. Like, oh, why are we leaving at nine? We're going to be an hour late. This is ridiculous. What are we doing? And then we get there and we're still the first ones there. And I'm like, why is it? Oh, this is just, this is a joke. This is yeah. going to start, you know, and you start getting irritated. You start getting frustrated. Yeah, and absolutely. Before you know it, you know, you're now in sin because yeah. you've allowed it to get to that point. Yeah. You've trashed the culture and made it unsavable mm. because they didn't do things that you liked it yeah. to do. And that's, you know, again, it comes back to making yourself your own God. You know, it's just a very, <sighs> we're terrible like you know what I mean like when you but this is the importance of walking in the spirit you know at all times not just putting it on at certain points or whatever but just walking and I, I like in the Christian in in English it says walk by the spirit but in Spanish it says live by the spirit and I'm like obviously I, they both mean they're saying the same thing but it there's no excuses when you you know you say well you know whatever it means live by the spirit everything you do you live, you do it motivated by and, and obedient to the Holy Spirit and um and then and so that bears fruit of the spirit so one of the fruits of the spirit obviously in those cases that I struggle with too by the way of like the lateness and stuff is patience you know patience kindness all, you know, all these things and so it's like okay are these fruit <laughs> are these fruit being bore more <laughs> is my life bearing these fruit right now. And if not, then I'm probably not living in the spirit or walking in the spirit, you know. It's a very tough thing, very tough thing. But definitely something that, yeah, like you said, moving, crossing cultures and moving to different, we're not talking about different subcultures within the same country. We're talking about different country, completely different culture, foreign culture, right, to us. And our culture is foreign to them. And But, like, it's like the, we were talking about the other day, um, um, relocation, uh, reconciliation and redistribution, you know, it's the steps of ministry of community development or whatever. And um, uh, relocation is the first thing we talk about moving there, being a part of there. And, but then it's reconciliation, reconciling the cultures and the differences that you have. And, and it's really filling all that out. What's sinful, what's not sinful, what's the, and what's sinful in me mm-hmm. and what's not sinful in me. What are things that I've gotten used to in my culture and just reconciling all that, not to them necessarily and not them to you, but to, all to Christ. And that should be the goal of the church is reconciling everybody to Christ. So at that point, it doesn't matter if you have on jeans or khaki pants at church. God doesn't, God is not impressed by the clothes that we put on. And the reason we, only reason we wear clothes in the first place is to cover up our sins. That's what Adam and Eve were doing is they were embarrassed and, and shamed. And now we've made it like a standard of dress for getting into the church. You know what I mean? And so you come down, oh, you need a button up shirt to preach. And if that's what they believe already, then I, that's whatever. But when we put that on people, then we, we do. We become sinful and we become... Um, legalistic adding things to the word that aren't there and that's a dangerous road to go down you know mm-hmm. and so yeah wasn't that long go for it quick it's like three minutes <laughs> you good anything yep. else nope i think we'll continue this next week though because i think it's a good talk and i think there's a lot more stuff we could talk about yeah so 
Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We love you and appreciate all your support and prayers and help and everything else. We're praying for you. We pray that you're praying for us. Thanks for listening to this episode. Be on the lookout for uh, part two next week. Uh, provecho.